Welcome to the Covenant Experience Podcast. At Covenant, we are growing passionate followers of Jesus Christ who serve all people. If you live in the tri-state area, we welcome you to join us on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. You can find more information about us online at covenantexperience.com or call us at 304-876-2212 with any questions. And now today's message. We are going to be in the book of First John this morning, John, First John chapter 1. If you don't know where First John is in your Bible, if you go all the way to the right to Revelation, turn back a few pages and you'll get to Third John, Second John, and then First John, uh, and we're going to be in chapter 1, or verse 1 through 4, where um, Pastor Nelson uh, read the word this morning. If I can get my f- iPad to work there. All right. You know, technical problems are always fun. So I, um, how many of you like me, you, you like cartoons? Like I grew up, I grew up in a childhood where Saturday morning was spent in front of the TV watching the Looney Tunes. Are you with me on that one? Yeah. Well, I, I like cartoons. I, I like all kinds of different cartoons. Uh, I, I enjoy watching Bugs do his antics, Wiley e. Coyote and, and Roadrunner doing their antics, although it messed me up the one day that I found out a, a, a roadrunner is about 10 miles or 15 miles slower than actual coyote. It messed with my brain in a bad way, but I, I enjoy all kinds of cartoons. I still enjoy cartoons. Grew up with my kids watching cartoons and watching animated TV shows and stuff like that. You, you know who the people, what the person is called that creates the cartoons and draws it? It's called an animator. They're the people that bring life to inanimate objects. That's what an animator does. He takes, takes something and puts it on a page, or she takes something and puts it on a page, draws it, they create it, they put it into, plug it into a computer now. They plug it into a computer and they bring life to it. They bring vitality to it. They bring the ability to move and to speak and to run and to jump and act goofy and do all the things that we love and enjoy. And then they put voices to them and, and they, we laugh at the... At, at the jokes that are done on cartoons. If you ask my wife and I, many of our favorite lines are from cartoons. Most of the time I was driving with a DVD player running in the back of the car and and I heard movies. I heard movies more than I saw movies as as a young man with young kids. And so we, I know lines and lines to any Minions movies to just everything. I love cartoons. I love the life. I love the, the technical aspect of it and someone that can draw and create that life and animate that life and bring life to it. And that word animation got to me that, as I was thinking about First John because that is exactly what Jesus does for us. He animates our lives. He brings life to us. The word animate comes from, is a Latin word, anima is, actually means life or soul, and then it trans goes into animate, would we have our English word animate to bring life to, and in fact, the word animate in, in the dictionary says to give life to, it means having life, fullness, lifelessness, or lifeless, and then we have the word inanimate which is lifeless, the opposite of life. 
Animators spend long hours taking something that is inanimate and making it animated, having life. John is writing to this group of churches in 1 John, dealing with some issues in the early church of false teachers. And what the false teachers were doing is saying, basically, that Jesus was God and he was, came to earth, he was God, but he never was human. And so John is having to write to these early churches to correct errors that other teachers are teaching. Hey, we have that all the time in our world today. People who are claiming to be followers of Christ are claiming scripture and they're teaching opposite of what we tr trust and know about the Bible. This is what John is dealing with here with these early, in these early churches. He's dealing with false teachers who are saying, hey, God, Jesus, yeah, he's God, but Jesus, he wasn't human. And John is coming out in chapter 1, verse 1 of 1 John and, and being very forceful in his engagement and saying, no, Jesus was real. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. We have heard. Now, you know, in the Old Testament, God talked to people. He talked to Moses. He talked to the prophets. He talked to people. So the hearing of God is not a big deal. Seeing is a little more depth, right? You hear something. You don't see it. You, you don't quite have full capacity to understand what's going on. You hear it. But if you see it, it gives you a little more understanding of what's going on. Now, when we talk about the word see here, it's not just that glance, you know, Guys, it's not that glance where your wife, hey, did you, your wife says to you, hey, do you see it? And you say, yeah, yeah, I saw it. No, this is, I saw it. I know what it is. I recognize it. I gazed upon it. I have beheld it. John is saying, we've not only heard Jesus, we not only saw Jesus, we also touched Jesus. He was real. We looked upon him. We touched him with our hands concerning, he says, then he says the words, concerning the word of life. Now, we know that John likes this idea of Jesus as word, the word. In First John, or John, the gospel that was written about 10 years before this book, John in his gospel had said the word was God and the word was with God. In Genesis 1, we understand that in the beginning God created, and Jesus was there with God. He was at the creation. He was the essential word of God, the personal wisdom, the power, and the union of God. His ministry and creation, his governance over the universe was there, but he was also not only just God, he was human. John comes back to the same designation in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, and 1 through 4, and says he was the word, but he was not only the word, he was the word of life. The word life there is a Greek word named zoe. One of the definitions of the word zoe is the state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animate. Christ is called the word of life. 
because he was the one that was written of in the Old Testament. He embodies what it means to be an agent of God and being God and creating all of life. And the one that rules with God in judgment for those who will either receive eternal life or those who won't. But Jesus is not only the word of life that we have heard, we have seen, we have touched with our hands. Jesus is the word of life, but he is also human. Christ came to this earth as God and man and tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. Now you're going, well, that was 2,000 years ago, and, and he hasn't. He still dwells among us through his Holy Spirit. And we rest on the testimony of who Christ is from those who saw him. John was the disciple who Jesus loved, as he'd like to describe himself in his gospel. We trust the people who saw. I had the privilege last couple weeks ago to go to the National D-Day Museum. My, my ultimate, one of my ultimate desires is to go to Normandy. I love World War II history, but we got to go to the National D-Day Museum in Bedford, uh, Virginia. One of the reasons it's in Bedford, Virginia is within the first 15 minutes of the Battle of D-Day, 19 men from this town of Bedford, Virginia were killed. Of a town of 3,500 back in the 40s, 21 total men were killed on the D-Day invasion eventually when it was all said and done. And so this, if you've never been, it's kind of, it's actually very fascinating. They want to do a lot more with it, but... It, it just it reminded me personally of sacrifice that was made by those men. It reminded me of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. The word of life. Who God is and who God was and what he had done in creation sent his son to die on a cross for us so that our lives may be animated. Jesus put it this way in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Is that where you are in your life with Christ? abundant now don't get me wrong it's not always happy it's not always your best life now but it's abundant it's full because Christ has given you life that's why the title of the sermon is Christ is Animated because he has given us a life that is so much better and he has animated our life so much better no matter what we go through, no matter what happens in our lives. John is writing here this message to the people 
that Jesus was real. He came to earth. He brought life-giving message that he has reconciled us to God, and that is what gives us life. Because our relationship with God has been restored through what Jesus did on the cross. The God-man took care of that for us. It's the message that he wrote about in the Gospel of John. When he wrote John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order for the world, that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is the life giver. He is the animator of our lives. Paul puts it this way. But while we, what, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The word has been given to us. Life has been given to us. But the fact of the matter is when we, Christ animates our life, it's more than just giving us eternal life. It's giving us life here on earth that is animated. It's more than just what the rewards. We look forward to the reward of heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited. One of these days I get to go there. I get to be reunited with family and friends. But right now, here on this earth, i got to deal with the things that are going on in this earth. And, and I need somebody to help me deal with those things. And Jesus, as my animator, is the one who gives me life, is the one who guides me through those things so that my life is not normal. So that my life is different. How is Jesus animating your life? How is Jesus helping you live your life? How is Jesus guiding you through your life and giving you the things that you need so that you can live this life and deal with the things that are in this life and this world that we have to deal with? The cool thing about what John does in 1 John, he comes out very boldly and very strongly and gives us this Christology, this understanding of who Jesus was and who, what Jesus did. And then he goes through 1 John. The rest of 1 John is all about how you live in light of the understanding that Christ is the giver of life to each and every one of us who put our faith and trust in him. John is giving us this understanding of life that is different because of who Jesus is. What's so different about you? What's so different about you that the world around you looks at you and says there is something different about you? How has Jesus animated your life in such a way that others around you look at you and go, why are you that way? What do you do in your life? How do you talk in your life? How do you live your life so that your life looks different? And John calls us to this difference Jesus 
through John calls us to this different kind of life. And that's what he does through the rest of the book of John. That's, so the, the thing I'm going to talk to you about from here on out is we're going to go through a little bit of an overview, a 30,000-foot look at the book of 1 John with this understanding that Jesus is the animator and how does God, Jesus animate our lives in such a way? How does Christ animate our lives? What are those things that we do in our lives to help allow Jesus to live through us? And John gives us some things that we need to do. First of all, I want to talk to you about walking a different life. Jesus has brought new life through this death, burial, and resurrection. And the new life should be a life lived in continual transformation of who you were to who God wants you to be. This is the message we have heard. If you go on to verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1, the message that we have heard from the, him and proclaimed to you, for God, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, we walk in the darkness. Do not have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We walk different. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We live a different life. We live a life for Christ. As Paul tells the Romans in Romans chapter 12, we live a transformed life by the renewing of our not minds. We walk in fellowship with other believers that help us live the life that we're living here on earth. It's one of the reasons y'all probably need to be in a small group so that you can get close to some people and they can help you walk this life together. That's why we gather together and we fellowship with one another so that we can encourage each other in the life that God has called us to live, being the light, walking in the light. We help each other when we are hurting. We are helping each other when the good times come. God has changed us in the way we act, in the way we live. We no longer walk in darkness. We walk in light. We walk in the light of what God has said is his truth. We walk in the light of understanding who God is and what he does and how he works in our lives to help us live the life that we are called to live. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with each other. We have fellowship with him. Next thing that John tells us, calls us to do is he calls us to confess our sin often. In chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Confession of sin should be a daily activity of our lives. Confession is the same thing, saying the same thing about sin that God says about sin. Confession is restoring of that relationship between you and God. Sin separated us from God, and that's why we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Christ came to give us new life and bring us out of our bondage. When we confess him as Savior and Lord, we are confessing him also as the sin 
uh, he paid, uh, he's paid our sin for us, and now that our relationship is restored with God. But when we sin, it bar- creates a barrier between us and God, and confession helps us tear down that barrier. As God's new creation, sin can still hurt our relationship with God and each other. We still need to confess to God our sins against the sins we've committed against him and the sins that we've committed against others. The need for continual confession of a believer should never be discounted or trivialized. It should be something that we are daily doing. Seeing those things that we have done that are against God or against other people and asking for forgiveness. Seeking forgiveness. Seeking restoration between us and God and us and each other. We should be constantly in a state of confession as followers of Christ. Not because we're feeling condemned, but because we want to make that sure that we're living the life that God has called us to live and he can animate us better when confession is part of our life. Next thing that John tells these people in, in 1 John is actually flip over to chapter 2, verses 7 through 11, is love one another. Beloved, I'm writing you no, no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. In him there is no cause for, to, for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eye. This harkens back to Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is talking about presenting our sacrifices and when you present your sacrifice in the altar and you realize you, your brother has something against you, you should go to that person, seek reconciliation so that your sacrifice may be acceptable. We should be seeking to restore relationships with each other. We should love one another. I said many years ago in my first church that there are some people in churches that I've learned they're going to get to heaven and the streets of gold are not going to be shiny enough for them. They complain about everything. Some of y'all are going to get to heaven and realize that you had strained relationships with people here on earth and you should have restored them when you had a chance. Some of you need to restore relationships with people that are followers of Christ that you have strained relationships with and you need to go seek reconciliation with those people. You need to ask for forgiveness and you need to be willing to offer forgiveness. I know, I've gone from preaching to meddling. It happens when you read scripture every now and then. We should love one another. Because the fact of the matter is, we're in this battle together. 
in this life together. We are working to do the things that God has called us to do together. And the more we are together, the better off we are. And if relationships are strained and we have not confessed our sin or had gone to that person and reached out for reconciliation, we haven't done our jobs that God has called us to do as followers of him. You want your life to be animated? Guess what? This is part of it. We need to love one another. The fourth thing that John tells the people that he's writing to is don't hold too tightly to this world. Do not love, in, in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, he says, do not love the world or, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh. Now listen to these things. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The world has something amazing, some amazing things for us to behold because they have been, the world around us has been given to us by a good and gracious God. The problem occurs when that world has been perverted and we grab onto the perversions or we cling too tightly to things that are not going to last. We try to put things of this world in place of the God of this world and what he desires for us. If you know me a little bit, you know I like cars. I deal in the car industry in my regular job, my day-to-day job. And I like cars of different kinds. And I'll walk on a lot at a car lot every now and then when I'm working and I'll see a car and I'm like, ooh, that's nice. I just, I like cars. Now, I never really have had the financial means to act on it where I get to buy, you know, a car I really, 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 really want. So if anybody feeling generous and they want to gift me a 58 black with silver till drops, red interior Corvette, resto mod, I will not say no. But here's what I'll tell you about that car. Now, as much as I would love to have one. I don't think that car is going to fulfill me. I don't think my, I think that's going to be fun. Okay. It's going to be a blast. I'll drive it and I'll have a blast in it, but it's not going to fulfill me. It's not going to make my life complete. It's not going to make my life. It's, it might make my life a little bit better. I might get a little joy for a time, but ultimately it's not going to finish me as a person. The only one that can do that is God through Jesus Christ. As my animator. So I don't cling too hard to those things. Yeah, I would love to have one one day. It'd be a joy. It'd be fun. You know, it's just something I would like to do. I'd love to go on a racetrack with a really fast car sometime and just take it around at about 200 miles an hour. But here's the thing. If I don't ever get to do that, my life will not be incomplete. Because my life is not completed by a car or how fast I drive. My life is completed by who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And how I live that life for him. The things of the world are not evil. 
It's when the things of the world become the desires of the flesh. The eyes that we see, the pride of life. Those things that we are hanging on to that take the place of God. They become a functional savior for us. They make us feel really good and we think, oh, that's going to take care of everything, that all the problems that I have, or that's going to help me live this life. And it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a drug. This car is going to fix this. This woman's going to fix this. This guy's going to fix this. This job's going to fix this. This house is going to fix this. This boat's going to fix this. This guy is looking at you going, no, only I can fix it. Ultimately. Go enjoy the good gifts that you have. Go enjoy those things and go enjoy a boat or getting away with a car or, or enjoy your wife or your husband. Enjoy those things, but don't cling hard to those things because those things will not ultimately fulfill your heart's desire. God can only do that. And finally, John says, overcome the world. There are going to be things in this world that will try to entice us away from God. And John tells his readers in 1 John 5, verses 1 through 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believed that Jesus is the Son of God? The idea is that our love for God should be so great that we will do whatever he wants us to do. When we keep his commands, it keeps our focus on him. When we focus on him and his commands, we don't get distracted by the trivial things of life. Is it easy to get distracted? How many of you have ever been in a car wreck <laughs> and you were distracted when you wrecked? It happens, right? Your focus gets drawn away. And you, and, and, you, and you get distracted and, and you don't do the things that God's called you to do and, and you start doing things your own way in your own flesh and your own pride and your own selfishness and, and, you, and you start taking those things and putting them in place of God and God no longer has control of your life. We have to maintain the focus on the things of God, what is important, obeying his commands, loving one another, Righteousness is less about what we need to avoid and more about what God leads us into in our life through his word of life. We have to keep our focus on the things of God. We don't get distracted. So years ago when I was in high school, we lifted weights for football. And so one of the things that our coaches emphasized was proper form, making sure you're doing it the right way. They didn't really care how much weight you lifted. This was one of the things I taught my boys when I took them to the weight room for the first time. I don't care how much weight you can lift. 
how much you can bench press, how much you squat. I want you to work on your form and get your form right now so that when you have that heavier weight, your form's right and you're able to do it better. And you're working the most muscles the proper way. So one of the things in, when the coaches in high school taught me when we were do a, a squat was one of the things you would do is you would look up on the wall in front of you and you would pick a point on the wall in front of you and keep your eyes focused up. Because when you focus up and you go down to get your squat, your back's straight and your legs are right and everything. But here's what happens is when you've got weight on your back and you don't look up and you start looking forward, here's what you do. And you hurt yourself. Every, almost every person who's ever squatted and is and does that and tell to look up and, and inevitably there's a mirror in front of them and they want to look at themselves and see how good they look as they're squatting and what they do is they go okay I got it I got it and they look and look and then they're like oops and they go over and they fall in order to do it right your focus has to be right in order to do the squat right and make sure that you're working the muscles the way you do and you don't hurt your back, your focus has to be right. And as a follower of Christ, guess what? Your focus has to be right. You can't get distracted by the things of this world because the things of this world will take you away from God as, quick as, you, as quickly as possible. It'll take your focus off of who he is and what he wants for your life fast. And the Christ who has animated your life and given you the life that he's called you to live becomes less of an animator in your life. We have to keep our focus on who God is and what he's done and how he has called us to live so that our lives can truly be animated by Christ. God is ready to do great things through many people in this church. I'm convinced of that. I work with our students on a regular basis, and I hear them talk, and we talk about it, and they're ready to do great things for him. We have four students in, in Baltimore right now serving the Garden Church. We have a group of people in Vietnam right now engaging a community. We had four kids in Baltimore last week engaging kids in the inner city of Baltimore. This Saturday, I will depart, pray for me, I will depart with 30 students <laughs> to Ocean City, Maryland. Now y'all thinking, Ocean City, Maryland. No, we, I've seen the schedule. There's like, we get to go to the beach once on a Wednesday night to go surf school because the guy in the church owns the surf shop in town and we get to go to surf school for free. We have 180 kids already signed up for their vacation Bible school that our students, 30 students and eight adults are going to be running for the week. We will pass out water bottles to lifeguards on the beach. We'll engage international students in a, a dinner on Monday night. We'll have opportunities to share the gospel, to talk about life. 
Got another team going, to, going away in this fall, too. God is using people in this church, but I'm going to tell you, if our distraction, our focus is off, and we're not allowing Christ to be our animator, it will distract us from what God has called us to do, and we won't be as effective as we could be. How is God animating your life right now? What is he doing in you and through you for him? What could he be doing in you and through you that you've become a distraction and he's not able to do that anymore? Is Christ your animator? Have you put your faith and trust in him as Lord and Savior? Are you daily putting your faith and trust in him? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and your truth, and we thank you so much for the life you've called us to live, and we pray that you would help us each day to honor you through our life, to make the impact that we are called to make on the world that you've called us to live in. Help us not get distracted. Help us to put our focus on what is real, what is truth, on your commands and what you've called us to do. Strengthen us, guide us in all that we do. In your son's name, amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Joel here, and I am so glad you stopped by. I pray this podcast helps you in your walk with God. And if you're listening with questions about faith of any sort, God is not afraid of those questions, and neither are we. Join us any Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning. If you're new to our area and looking for a church home, I hope we'll see you soon and have the opportunity to welcome you properly and personally through our doors. And if you live in the tri-state area, but you're already a part of one of the other phenomenal church families here, I pray this podcast has been a great addition to the primary teaching you already received from your local pastor and that you've been better equipped to serve your own church family. So let's all go make Jesus famous this week. Share his love every chance you get until we meet again. And God bless you.